Back to the Lab with your host, Brad Bolt. Welcome back to the Lab. Back to the Lab. Welcome back to the Lab. Back to the Lab. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again on another episode of The Brad Bolt Show, part of the Lab Network. Joining me tonight, as always, my co-host, the Yeti, the Beard, Dan, Dan O'Connell. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm good. We are ready for the good night recording this one, so happy to be back again with you. Yeah, it's going to be, it, it's one of those ones where with uh, real life events going on and stuff at the moment it's been hard to actually try and nail down actual time to record so <laughs> glad we're able to get another one in after last week's well that's it it's been yeah like i said a bit up in the air during the week so kind of jump in where we can now yeah exactly and uh just a quick other little bit of uh housekeeping sort of thing for everyone here this show is as everyone who does pay attention is predominantly NFL, uh, with the NBA season about to start up, this show is going to become a little bit of a mixture of NFL, a bit of NBA. We're going to have a Dan Sport report that comes through because he's watching a little bit of ice hockey and stuff at the moment. So this this show, my show, the Brad Bolt Show, is actually going to diversify and become a bit of a... We'll still bring you all the football that you want and that you love, but there will be other times where we might just pop on and do a 20-minute show about the NBA and how that's going. So all of that to say is that this will still stay the same, but you might just get a little bit more varied, varied stuff from us. So all bang for your buck. Exactly. That's the see, that's what I was looking for. That's why you're on board. I couldn't think of the <laughs> saying. So there we are. So we're going to jump in this week. So tonight's episode is just about football. We are jumping into week seven matches. We're just going to give our thoughts on some of these games that are coming up and who's playing, who we think is going to win. So we'll start off the buy teams this week are Carolina, Cincinnati, Dallas, Houston, the Jets, and Tennessee are your buy teams for this week. So Dan, we'll start with the first game that I've got here that's showing is Tampa Bay versus Atlanta. What are your thoughts on this game? This is a genuine coin flip kind of game. Like Atlanta, they cop a lot of criticism, mostly from the fantasy side of things. But as a team, actual NFL-wise, they're a tough team to beat. Mm. And Buccaneers are one of those teams where Baker Mayfield's playing pretty well this year. I think he's surprising a lot of people. The Buccaneers' run game doesn't really give them a whole lot at the moment. And against the Falcons... They're going to have a tough time as well, I think. So for me, this is a genuine coin flip, coin flip. but I think the Baker Mayfield's playing well enough where I think he'll just do enough to get him over the line this week. I think I've got him by about four. Yeah, so it's a it's a really good defense that Tampa Bay still has with, you know, they've still got Levante David, they've still got Devin Wyatt, you've still got Vita Vea, Kalijah Kent, he's playing really well. So it's, it's, it's a really good defense they've got. Baker Mayfield is probably having his best season since the year that he took Cleveland when he was with Cleveland when he went to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, the, the thing, what you, one of the things that you mentioned too there about Atlanta is that yes, they're, they're, getting a little bit of criticism maybe in the fantasy world because people aren't happy that their Drake London isn't getting enough targets for their likings or Kyle Pitts. But 
they they also my first thought with this where everyone was saying like you know what's Arthur Smith doing he's wasting his talent my initial thought of this when this all came out was he was building the team to drop the quarterback in to make them a Super Bowl contender so Carolina to me has done the opposite they traded away obviously Christian McCaffrey last year, they traded away DJ Moore. They traded up to get Bryce Young, and now they've got their quarterback of the future, but they don't have as many great weapons. Yeah, It seems like Atlanta is going the opposite. They're filling their team with the weapons. So they've got, as we mentioned, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan, Tyler Algier is a really good running back. Like They've got these pieces, and they've got Desmond Ritter in there at the moment, but it also sort of feels like with the amount of quality quarterbacks that are coming through the college ranks that could be coming out this year, that if Atlanta somehow does end up in a position to draft one of those guys, maybe that's what they're actually looking for is to drop the quarterback in with all the talent around to try and make the quarterback's job a lot easier. Yeah. And that's the thing, like you think about it, they're not bad enough where they're going to be in the Caleb Williams, Drake May sweepstakes this year. Mm. But if they decide to change their quarterback in this draft, they'll be picking sort of the mid-rounds. Yeah. And you're looking at guys like if JJ McCarthy comes out, people are talking about him as a first-round pick. You've got guys like Michael Penix Jr. who coming out, he's looking like a first-round pick. So there's guys at that point where if they want to make the move this year, they can. Yeah. And it's one of those things is how long do they push it off for? Because they're still so young. Bijan's what, 21. Drake London's 23 or something. Kyle Pitts is still only 22. Yeah. People are writing him off because he's not doing much this year, but he's only 22. Let's come on. Yeah. So they've got the time there where they can, like you said, build the team that way and then wait for their quarterback until the time's right and then bring that quarterback in because you get the quarterback on a rookie contract. Mm. You can do a whole lot more with your team. Yeah, and I think people are forgetting too. So Kyle Pitts obviously had the 1,000-yard rookie season. Then he missed a bunch of games last year because he was injured, and he had Marcus Mariota, who, when you go back and you look at the 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 stats, he threw the most uncatchable passes yeah. in the league last year. So you're never going to be successful with that. And this year he sort of started off a little bit slow, but you've seen the last couple of weeks, like Kyle Pitts is starting to become the Kyle Pitts that everyone remembers from his yeah, rookie season. So, targets now as well, so. Yeah, so, you know, even if Desmond Ritter isn't their long-term quarterback, they've got, as you mentioned, a really good team to go around them. So I actually have Atlanta in this game slightly. It's just, it's, it's one of those things that we saw Baker last week didn't look very good against the Lions. Now the Lions are a really good team, but I... I, I really like what Atlanta has done so far this season and being as someone who his team's already come up and played against Atlanta and, you know, Desmond Ritter is probably not their long-term future quarterback, I would say, at the moment. I think they've got enough talent and enough weapons around that can actually make them a very competitive game. I think if they do win, it's on, it's going to be like a field goal or under. I don't think they would blow the yeah. bucks out. but Oh, it's going to be a close game either way. Yeah. Speaking of a close game that may not actually be an interesting game that's going to cross our screens too much, it's the Chicago Bears versus the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> You've got Tyson Bajant versus Brian Hoyer is the two quarterbacks this game. So 
I think it's going to be Vegas wins this one over Tyson Bajan and the Bears. I think as well. I don't think it'll be by more than, say, six points. But I just think the experience of Brian Hoyer coming in at quarterback, I think it'll be enough to get them over the line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's not too much for us to say on this no, game. There's not a lot going on there. No. Uh, <laughs> speaking of a game which could actually be not a lot going on for one team. The next game is the Indianapolis Colts versus the Cleveland Browns. Now, I feel like it's safe to say that we're both going to be Cleveland on this one. Yeah, I believe so. I just, that Cleveland defense is so good. And I, I just, I can't see Minshew doing much against that defense. I think it's going to be a tough game for them. Did you hear the, um, there was a stat that I heard on a podcast the other day um, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like there's only been two defences in the history of the NFL since the merger that have given up less yards than what the Cleveland Browns defence has given up this year. And I think it was like the 1970 Minnesota Vikings and like the 1971 Pittsburgh Steelers or something. Like it's back when teams barely passed the ball. Well, they apparently they've yeah. given... They've, they've given up about 1,080 yards or something on the season, the Cleveland Browns' defense. Like, it's just... That's ridiculous. And I... I Listen, 200 yards a game. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things, too, yeah. that, you know, they, they beat, beat the 49ers last week with P.J. Walker starting. Now, granted, if Jake Moody kicks that field goal, who knows, you know, the, it's the other way around. But even so, like, they, they stopped... Of that 49ers uh, offense, which, yeah, yes, McCaffrey got hurt, Devo got hurt, Trent Williams was on a gimpy ankle as well. So there, there's things in there, but they're just straight up embarrassing teams. Like, I honestly felt the, the best defense that I like when I first started watching football, to me, one of the best defenses I, I have seen was that 2000 Ravens team. Yeah. With Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. And they, these guys are putting up better numbers than that Ravens team. And so. to do it in this day and age with the way offense is played, mm. that's just stupid. It just got winners all over. Like, Miles Garrett is really in the running for Defensive Player of the Year for yeah. how he's played so far. Denzel Ward's playing amazing. Like, it's just all over the board. That defense is just scary. So you don't necessarily need the best quarterbacking in the world for that defense when when that yeah. defense is only giving up 200 yards a game and that's not just like oh they're only giving up 200 part yards passing and then they're giving up another 135 yeah. it's literally it's 200 yards total yeah. per game it's just insane yeah, gonna win a lot of games when that's happening yeah just absolutely nuts uh this next one is another division game and it'll be interesting for myriad of reasons as well it's the new york giants versus the washington commanders so what's your thoughts on this one this game could just be a comedy of errors <laughs> i don't know if daniel jones is actually going to be playing this week he's still up in the air a little bit mm. but they've got saquon barkley back which even if daniel jones is playing you've just got to give barkley the ball and try and ride him as much as you can because you don't want Daniel Jones the way he's playing at the moment. You don't want him being forced to win the game for you because it's not mm. going to end well. Uh, Sam Howell, he's been up and down this year, but he's actually been fairly good for a lot of the games. Just needs to stop getting sacked so much. Well, that's he, the 
that's the thing with this game. It's the battle of a, over which quarterback is going to be sacked more. Is it going to be Daniel Jones or Tyra, Tyrod Taylor, or is it going to be yeah, Sam Howe? Going to be a lot of yardage being lost through sacks, and I think Washington have enough weapons to be able to overcome it. If they can contain Barkley enough, I think they can come away with the win, but I don't know. It's so tough to pick this one. I think it'll be close no matter what way it goes, but I've got Washington by field goal. Yeah, I've got I've got Washington as well, just because that that defensive front that the commanders have against that offensive line, which has not been great. Like they, were, they were better last week against the Bills, but it, it still hasn't been great uh, this year. And to be facing guys like uh, you know Chase Young, Jerome Payne, like all of those guys, you sit there and you think like if that offensive line is as leaky as what they have been, the whoever is playing quarterback is just going to be in for a long day against that Washington football team. And besides the sack, Sam Howe's actually played pretty decently this year. Yeah, he has. Which so, I, I wasn't expecting too much from him. I thought he's got talent, but I just didn't think he was going to settle into the NFL the way he has kind of thing, but he's looked good. Yeah, and, you know... Uh, when you think too, you look at this this team like Jahan Dotson's barely done anything so far this year. Like Curtis Samuel is playing better, but you sort of you just look at the weapons of what the Commanders have on offense, and I like I personally like them better than what the Giants have. So the Giants, you've, as you mentioned, you got Saquon, who I prefer over Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson. But then when you go and tight end, I prefer Darren Waller over like a Logan Thomas. But, well, you would normally, but they haven't been using him this year. Yeah, exactly, and that's the, that. That was my next point: is that just purely talent based. I like, I prefer Waller, but he yeah. just hasn't been used the way that we were accustomed to when Derek Carr was throwing the ball with yeah. the Raiders. But then when you look at the receivers, it's you know uh, Darius Slayton, it's Wondell Robinson, Isaiah Hodgins, and then when you look at the Washington side, it's Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, and Terry McLaurin. Like it just. Yeah, it just feels like a Washington side there. It feels like a Washington win for me. But once again, it's a division game. You can never really trust division games a lot of times because, you know, these are the when the teams when, you know, you get up for your own division and anything, all, all the strangest things possible can happen in division games. So Yeah, even when Giants were at their peak and Washington was struggling, it was still a game where you think Washington going to pull out wins a lot more. Mm. So yeah, division games always toss up something funny. The, and this this week's so interesting too because in a lot of other weeks, this next game would be the game of the week, and it's probably about third or fourth billing this week for me in terms of games. And that's the Baltimore Ravens versus the Detroit Lions. Like it, with how these teams are playing this year, any other week, and you'd be like, this is maybe the best game of the week. But like I yeah. said, this could be the third or fourth <laughs> best game of the week. I am really looking forward to seeing what these teams can do because a lot of people are saying that they actually have the Detroit Lions as maybe one of the best, if not the best team in the NFL with how they're playing this year. And it's pretty hard to argue they're 5-1. and one. Well, the Chiefs haven't looked all that good, even though they're 5-1 and one as well. They haven't looked all that good this year. Mm. And then obviously 49ers, they've been dominant until last week. And then you look at Philly as well. They're five and one, but again, they haven't looked that like, as impressive as you'd expect this year. Mm. 
So Detroit, they have massive chance of being like top two team for the year so far. I think the big thing too is it doesn't obviously look like that uh, David Montgomery is, is going to be playing. He's been ruled out, I'm pretty yep. sure I've seen. So, yeah, you know, it's it's Craig Reynolds. It, it'll look like it'll go back to the where everyone was hoping for the Jameer Gibbs. He'll get all the touches. It looks like it's, you know, and I mean, Craig Reynolds has also been questionable for the last couple of days as well. So but it looks like it's going to be Craig Reynolds, Jameer Gibbs. But you just look across that that team and they're just, they're playing so well. Like Ben Johnson has that offense just absolutely humming and they just look fantastic this year. Yeah. And then you've got the defense for the Lions as well, who are, mm. again, having another big season. So you look like Aiden Hutchinson is, they're so lucky that Jaguars, the Jaguars picked Trayvon Walker mm. because Detroit just got an absolute stud. He is so dominant, and he's only in year two. They've just had they, the last couple of years. They've just had amazing drafts. The Lions, when you look back at their their drafts that they've had since Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes yeah. have taken over, like to see you look back, you get Amon Ra in the third round. Was it third? Was he third fourth. or fourth? It was fourth, 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 fourth round. Yeah. But you know they 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 were stoked in that draft to get Panay Saul at seven. Like, you know, where everyone was sort of thinking Bengals, you know, maybe at five or whatever, where they pick Jamar Chase, you know, so they get Panay Saul, they get Amon Ra in that draft. And then you see, you know, the next draft you get uh, Jameson Williams. Yeah, so they got, the, you know, they, they get him as well. You get Aiden Hutchinson, as you said. Like, even you look at last year, they, they also get, what was it, sixth round, Malcolm Rodriguez, who's played really well. Like, it's just... All these guys who are contributing. They've been hitting on the majority of their draft picks the last few years. Yeah, and I mean, the thing, so the one thing I wanted to sort of say too is, and we can get onto the Ravens in a minute, but a lot of people in the fantasy world are really up in arms about how can you pick a draft, how can you pick a running back at 12 and then not use him the way that they will, everyone wants him to be used. But I think... The big thing at the end of the day, too, is they have seen some of this stuff on film and they really like him to the point that they want to pick him at 12. They didn't want to run the risk of him getting to 18, which by the sounds of it, they, it seemed like he was going to be picked before they had their next pick at 18. So yeah. they had to pick Gibbs there. But, well, for starters, they're 5-1, and one, so it's pretty hard to tell them that what they've done is wrong. But I think what you can also say is that Maybe there's certain things that in training and in games, they haven't necessarily been entirely happy with Jameer Gibbs. And that's why he's not getting as much. Maybe it is pass blocking. Maybe it is picking up the blitz and things like that. There's certain things that maybe are keeping him off the field to start with that he's working on. So as he, and at the end of the day too, he's a rookie. So if you give the rookie a chance to build into the season, you know, we might see the second half of the season that he becomes that sort of guy that everyone was expecting to be used. Pick number 12. It's not like David Montgomery's been bad this year as well. He's playing really well. Yeah. So it's tough for them to take him off the field. I know, like, for me, they should be using Gibbs in more explosive packages and that sort of thing. But when you've got someone like David Montgomery who's doing the job for them, getting the touchdowns, getting the yards, it's tough to take him off the field. Yeah, and it's working for them, so it's hard to argue. 
And I think the other thing is too is that, you know, this is a team who, after how they've started this year and how they've built the team, now probably does have Super Bowl aspirations. Whether they they should be thinking like that or not is another thing. But if they feel like that, why would they want to run their rookie running back into the ground so early in the season when we all know that rookies do hit that rookie wall and they sort of fall away that little bit? They're trying to reverse engineer it, keep him fresh at the start of the year so that as he builds into the season and if they do happen to make a deep playoff run, they've got a fresher guy to use for those explosive plays when you're going to really need them in the playoffs when the explosive play can win you the game yeah. or not. Oh, absolutely. That, that, that's just the thing that I have just been completely infuriated seeing by everyone going, oh, the Lions are absolutely whiffed on that pick by taking him. It's like, guys, there's five, six games into the season. Yeah. <laughs> Give him a chance. Yeah, that's that's where the fantasy side of things come in and skews people's opinions, I think, a lot a lot more than it should be doing. Mm. Because obviously he's not putting up the numbers you want fantasy-wise. So everyone's saying, oh, what a wasteful pick. Well, no, it's not. He's got a long career, like eight-year career ahead of him being yeah. a running back. They're not thinking this year only, like now. Mm. So, yeah, it's one of those things where you've just got to, I think, take a step back and have a look at the bigger picture. And you also look look too like the running backs who have been picked in the first round in the last handful of years, like, you know, six, seven, eight years, like Zeke wore down, Leonard Fournette wore down a bit, like they weren't themselves. Christian McCaffrey got injured. Saquon's been injured. Like you look at these guys who've been picked higher and we can't, obviously can't say that it's because it's been overworked or anything like that, but you know, maybe that has something to do with it. They've looked around at these other running backs who've been picked in the first round and gone, okay, we don't want that to happen to our guy. So let's just let's just ease him through the season and start yeah. ramping him up towards the back end of the year when it's playoff yeah. time. Oh, 100%. Like you said, they for me, they should be having Super Bowl aspirations. Mm. They've got that level of a team as far as I'm concerned, as much as it annoys me as a Packers fan. <laughs> but that's where they are as a team, I think. And that's where they should be working towards. And that should be the end goal for them, even this year, to be honest. And I think, too, this is going to provide a really good test for them against Baltimore. I would say I, I can't really get there and say, oh, you know, they haven't really played anyone because they played the Chiefs in the first game of the season and played really well. So, And they've played teams and, you know, they have shown what they can do. But to me, this is just going to be a really good test because it's a different type of quarterback that you're playing against with having a Lamar Jackson who can turn a five-yard loss into a 25-yard gain and completely yeah. break the backs of a team. So so who have you actually got in this after we've waxed poetically about the Lions for so long? I've actually, I've actually got the Lions. I've got them by four, I think. Yeah, I, I do have the Lions as well. I do. I think Baltimore are actually a really good team, but they're a team who I still... I, I still can't quite put my finger on what type of team they are, if that makes sense. Like yeah. a lot of teams you can look at now and you can go, okay, I know what this team is. I know what this team is. The Ravens, I don't, I can't do that yet. And I'm not sure what it is that I can't quite put my finger on, but they're not quite to that, that team that I sort of, I'm able to confidently say, I know exactly what that team is. Yeah, exactly. I, like you said, I've got, more confidence in the Lions at the moment with the way they're playing than mm. I do with the Ravens, as good as they're going as well. 
I think the Lions would just be too good across the board. Yeah. So another team that's going to be too good across the board is the Buffalo Bills versus the New England Patriots. <laughs> I've got the Bills here. I don't think there's too much to say. I mean, in the last couple of weeks, Mac Jones has been benched in the fourth quarter when they were being completely blown out. They started using Malik Cunningham in certain packages last week to get him involved. I just, I, I can't see the fate. And I think it would be different if New England had Christian Gonzalez playing, if they had Matt Judon playing. I just, I struggle to see New England scoring enough points to beat this Buffalo team, unless it ends up being like that, that game that was played a couple of years ago where Matt Jones only threw the three passes. <laughs> or if it's a grind-out game like what the Giants did to the Bills last week. Yeah. If the Patriots can hold the Bills to 13 points, they might have a chance. Mm. But even then, I don't think they'll score enough to win. Yeah. I, I just... It. I find it I find it hard to see how the Bills would lose this game unless I guess the only other way to is maybe this is one of those look ahead games where they sit there and they're like okay who's our next game like you know they they're not really oh okay we've got New England we should be able to beat them let's let's look further into the season but I, I yeah. struggle to see how the Patriots win this one. Let's yeah, just I think like, it would have to be a game where Josh Allen's just trying to throw the ball all over the park and he's getting picked off and the Patriots defense is getting pick sixes. Now let's just hope after we've said that the Mac Jones doesn't come out throw for 470 yards and five touchdowns and make <laughs> us look foolish. So best game of his career in the NFL lab network mock. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, next game is another division game, Seattle versus the Arizona Cardinals. I've got the Seahawks in this. Just a quick thing. How good are their their defense? Like how good is the how good is um Devon Witherspoon been playing? Yeah. To like they they just they've hit on their cornerbacks again. They can draft some defensive backs. Yeah. Like far out. They've been so good at that over the years. And as good as the Cardinals are playing compared to what they're expected to be like, yeah, I think that defense for the Seahawks is going to be far too good for them. And the the thing that I think of too is the not last week's game, the week before was it? Were they Thursday night football or Monday night football? Can't remember. But it was. It was. I remember it being the night game, and they were talking about. I think it might have been Sunday night football because I'm pretty sure it was Chris Collinsworth was talking about it. But they, they've had a few injuries with Kobe Bryant's being injured, so they've lost their nickel corner. So they moved Devon Witherspoon into the nickel and he just, he absolutely lit up that game. And, you know, he just absolutely came through. It was the Giants when they played. And, you know, that he got one of the sacks when they had like nine sacks of Daniel Jones or something like that. And he was just all over the place. So they put him in as a nickel corner just out of necessity because of injuries. And he's absolutely started that. So it's like one of those things where you go, do you move him back outside or do you just leave yeah, him? Yeah, he's played that well. It's hard to move him again. Mm. And they've also got like one of my favourite corners in the league in Tariq Woolen. I, I absolutely love Rick Woolen after last year. He was a guy coming out in the draft that I absolutely love too. Um, didn't expect him to do anything like he has been in these, like last year. Didn't expect that. I was just hoping he was just, he was one of those guys where 
you like him and you think, oh, he might pop up every once in a while and make a play. Didn't expect him to be as good as what he is, but he I, came out an absolute star from the start. Yeah, he's just he's just so fast too. Like, and so is Devon Withers, but that's why their corners in this for the Seahawks are just so good. They're they're so fast. They can cover so much ground. And yeah. once again, Pete Carroll has another really good defensive like secondary. Yeah. You just no. think back to the Legion of Boom days. It's a yeah, different it's fun to watch, different sort of game these these days, but and and it's a different type of defensive secondary that they have now yeah. compared to the Cam Chancellors, the Richard Shermans, all of that. But it's they're just just a lot of fun to watch this team. So yeah, it's more speed over absolute power. Yeah, now from what they're doing, so it's yeah. tough to compete against that, especially for the Cardinals. I think. Yeah, uh, moving on to another team from that division, we've got the Rams versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't have a lot to sort of say about Pittsburgh so far this year. The Rams have looked quite good, a lot better than what I was expecting at the start of the year. And I think that the Rams will win this game, but it'll probably be one of those ones where Kenny Pickett doesn't look really good. Uh, for most of the game. And if they happen to be within a touchdown or two, he'll lead one of those insane touchdown drives where he throws a 60-yard bomb to, <laughs> to George Pickens. And, game, yeah. yeah. I think the thing with the Rams is you look at their running backs for this game, they lost Kyron Williams. Mm. And they brought in Daryl Henderson again. And I think he'll be getting a lot of the work over Zach Evans by the looks of it. Yeah. Which, I mean, he'll see. He knows the system, mm. so it should be fairly seamless for him slotting in. But I think this will be a game where it's Matthew Stafford, it's Cooper Cup, and it's Puka Nakua. Yeah. I think that's more than enough for them to win this game. With an, with an odd bomb to a 2-2 out well for 30, 40 yards every once in a while. just to... well, We could see 2-2 out of the backfield a lot this week as well, mm. just to get him the ball in space. Yeah. Yeah, so we're both on the same page there. We've both got the Rams over the Steelers. Steelers do still have a really good defense, but it's just their their struggle seems to be like some of these other teams is their offense is what lets them down in comparison to yeah. their, their defense. Their defense has been asked to do too much, and I don't mm. think they'll be able to hold up against Stafford. Yeah, so we'll move on to another game, which nearly any other week could be considered the best game of the week, but it's probably going to be in that, that same part as the Baltimore-Detroit game, and that's the Chiefs versus the Chargers. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. So what's your thoughts on this one? I'm loving what we could see out of this game. Uh, We always get sort of fireworks between Mahomes and Herbert, and weird things seem to happen in games with these two teams. I actually wouldn't be shocked if the Chargers win this. With how we've seen the Chiefs play so far, it's basically Mahomes and Kelsey with a bit of Pacheco thrown in as well. I think the Chargers can actually take this one. If they play the way they should be able to play, I think Herbert can do enough to have a shootout with Mahomes. And I think they'll be able to get over the top of him in this one. See, I'm I'm against you on this one just because... I think that the Chiefs' defense is is really is really quite good. So I think that and Steve Spagnolo, the defensive coordinator, will be able to scheme up the defense to try and take Keenan Allen out of it. So 
we've seen that it feels like, especially since Mike Williams has been injured, that Justin Herbert's first, second, third, and fourth reads are all Keenan Allen. And then fifth read is Austin Eckler when he's been playing. Yeah. So it, it does seem like one of those games that with uh, the way that Spags calls a defense that he might be able to try and maybe not necessarily double Keenan Allen because it's really quite hard in the NFL to actually double a receiver and we don't see it very often. But yeah. you might see a lot more tilting of the defense to one side where Keenan Allen is just to try and shorten those um, those windows that, that Herbert has there. It's... As you said, I, I agree with you on the Chiefs' offense. It's Mahomes, Kelsey with Pacheco, but the the Chargers' run defense hasn't been fantastic. So if Pacheco can get going, that might be enough that all the Chiefs actually need. And I'd be interested to see too what happens with the Rasheed Rice as well this week. He had a pretty quiet week last week. He seems to be getting more more snaps and more and more of the play. So I think he is actually going to become the Chiefs wide receiver one. Yeah, I think he's the guy that will end up with the bulk amount of targets from the wide receivers as the season goes along. Like he's been a bit up and down, but he's yeah, he seems to be the guy, like you said. Yeah, so I think that, and I mean, uh, the Chiefs did make a trade obviously this week too to get McCall Harbin back in the building. I don't think that's actually going to have too much of a an impact in the receiving game. But if McCall Harmon gets out there and plays, like we've seen what he's been able to do in the return game, you know, to have just that electric speed out on the field. And yeah. he he does, when he was playing, like it, it just seemed like when he was at the Chiefs, he wasn't on the field a whole lot receiving-wise. But whenever he was, Mahomes did try to go to him a little bit. Yeah, I think so, it was hard for him at that point because they had Tyreek Hill and... Mm. Not to compare Miguel Hardman with Tyreek Hill, but they're that similar sort of vein of what you see. So I don't think we saw him get utilised as much as I think the plan would have been at that point in time. Yeah. Well, he was also drafted when uh, there was that Tyreek Hill was under investigation at the time. So it sort of seemed like one of those things where Tyreek Hill potentially could have been facing a big suspension. So the Chiefs wanted to get a like type of uh, receiver ultra fast that they could use to open up the field at yeah. the time. So when that, that's sort of what it seemed like at the time, but it, like I said, he, he doesn't, didn't seem to see a lot of the field receiving wise when he was there originally at Kansas city, but it does seem like when he's out there, he is used a fair bit, whether it be in your jet sweeps, your, your screen passes or just the occasional try and, you know, take the top off the defense, run downfield. So that's where I think he might actually have a bit of a benefit for the Chiefs coming back into the team is stretching that field to open it up underneath for whether it be Travis Kelsey, Kadarius Tony when he's out there, Rasheed Rice, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. Like it just sort of seems like that's going to be his role. And as you sort of mentioned with, um, the Rams with uh, Henderson coming back to the team. He's already been there. Like McCall Hardman's been there. So a lot of the plays are going to be very similar for him. So yeah, it won't be as steep a learning curve for him, I don't think. Yeah, it won't be like a normal sort of midweek trade, mid-season trade where they take a couple of weeks to acclimatise to the offence. Yeah, he could be up and running this week and be out there in certain plays straight away because he's got a pretty decent handle on the offense. So, but yeah, I'm going to go chiefs in this one just because I feel like they've just still got at the end of the day, they've got Patrick Mahomes. 
and it's always really hard to go against my homes. It is, yeah. I think it's one of those, like I said, there's always something weird that goes on with these two teams, and I think this could be one of the weeks where it falls to the... doesn't happen often, but one of the weeks where a bit of luck goes the Chargers' way. Speaking of weird teams, our next game is the Denver Broncos versus your Green Bay Packers. Now, what is going on with this Denver team? Giving up, um, giving up 70, 70 points a few weeks ago. <laughs> they then release Randy Gregory. Uh, sorry, trade Randy Gregory. They then release Frank Clark. So they're, they're gone from their defense. And there is potential that they might blow this team up. There's been talks for a few weeks that Jerry Judy's on his way out. Uh I just I don't know what to do with this Denver team. So we'll talk about them, and then you can go into a bit about your Packers after that. Yeah, there's, there is such a weird sort of transition period the Broncos now because they're kind of stuck with Russell Wilson for at least another season, I think, because it's yeah. going to be really hard to get out of his contract without affecting the team that much as far as the cap goes. Uh, they're just hard to judge at the moment. Like, what are they? Who are they? Mm. They're not a good team. We've seen that. But where do they go from here? And what do they put out week to week? Because it's not good so far. So, yeah. Like, to me, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next few weeks, if Jarrett Stidham ends up starting games, and then maybe they put it down to... You know, because as you said, Russell Wilson's got to be on the team for at least another season after this one, because just because of the the cap hits and things like that are far too astronomical to let him go before then. But yeah, and they gave up so much to get him. Yeah, how did they move off of him so quickly after doing that? Yeah, they could. They kind of can't. So it sort of seems like that. What the what you could potentially do is once their season's over, is you trade away as much of the the name pieces as possible, which you know, at one and one and five or whatever they are at the moment, you know, that could be close to saying that their season's over. But you you might be able to see Jarrett Stidham starting and then putting it down and then they can sell it to Russell Wilson and the fan base and the ownership as, hey, this year didn't work out how we planned. It's first year with Sean Payton as coach. We've traded away some of these bigger names or we've released them, whoever. We're going to let Stidham ride out the rest of the year. And then we want, like to Russell Wilson, we want you to come back next year. You've got an, another off-season. We've done this. We'll build the team and we'll go from there. Like that, to me, is also an option as to how they might be able to sell it to a Russell Wilson. Like, we don't want to play you because you haven't been great. Like, that, that could be a way that they could do it just to sort of go, well, we'll just see what happens next year. Yeah, it's not a. It's, if you're a Denver supporter, you're just going to throw your hands up and say, I don't know what we're doing week to week. Yeah. I don't know what to expect moving forward. Like, it's yeah. a tough time for them and their supporters. Yeah. Well, speaking of the supporters, so give me a breakdown of your Green Bay Packers team because this is a team who has been dealing with some injuries. And the quarterback play has been much discussion by many people who just look at the the box scores and go, oh, 
Jordan Love didn't do very well. He played like crap. He must be playing pretty badly. He has not kept up that same level of play that we saw in week one against the Bears. But what's your rundown on your Green Bay Packers team? So it's been so hard so far to be able to evaluate Jordan Love as your as their future. Because like you said, I'm not I'm not normally one to sit here and go, oh man, we've had so many injuries. But when you look at the players that we've had out, they're the players that were the last ones that you needed to be injured for this season. Mm. And I put out a tweet today actually saying that you look at our injury list and the last thing we needed was to have the amount of players out that we've had this season and for the amount of time out that they've had, it's been just so hard to get any sort of consistency week to week. And I think that's starting to show in the overall play of the team now as well. Coming off the bye, I was hoping we'd get healthy. We'd be coming off the bye. Good to start another little mini run. Just getting consistency from our players actually being available. Doesn't look like that's happened this week at the moment. We've got so many who are questionable. So it's just, again, who's going to be available and how do we get that from week to week, that consistency of getting better? Because at the moment, we're such a young team. We need that week to week to have everyone available and just building that chemistry. And and that's the thing that I think people seem to forget. Like this team, when you think of it, yes, Jordan Love was drafted in 2020. But you, you call him a rookie this year because this is the first time he's starting week to week. Like he's had a few spot starts here and there, like and, and you know, plays here and there, but he's not been a starter where he's the guy every week. So yeah. so you, you can call him a rookie this year. But then you look at that like the receiver or the pass catching options on this team. So you look at tight end and you've got uh Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft, who are both rookies. Then you look at the receivers and you've got Romeo Dobbs, you've got Christian Watson, who are young guys, and um, uh, Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed, yeah. So, like, a rookie. So, you, your whole core of your offense are first or second year players, in essence. Yeah. Like, you, you aren't going to have too many successful teams when that's what everything is based off of, is just those couple of guys. So I think that's part of the thing that everyone seems to forget is because you look at the defensive side and there's so many recognisable names on that defensive side when you think about it. You know, you're Rashawn Gary's, you know, Devondre Campbell, who has been injured, but you know what yeah. I mean? Like you, you, Jair Alexander, like you, you hear the names and you're like, oh, yeah, I know those guys. They should be a really good defence, which, you know, that can be debatable whether they're actually a really good defence or not. They have the potential to be a really good defense. I don't know if their defensive coordinator is the guy to get them over the over the line for that. But when you look at that offense, close, but no. <laughs> but that's, you, that's been the thing for a few yeah. years. We've had the defense where we should be in the upper echelon on that side of the ball, but they haven't played to their potential, and the play calling hasn't been good enough for them to play at their potential as well. Mm. And they're. And I mentioned this when we were doing our um, preseason 
sort of you know rundowns of the teams and I was talking with um John about it in one of the one of the episodes when we brought up the Packers as I said is they're that team who you think of them and you go oh the Packers have a really good defense because they've got Jair Alexander they've got Rashawn Gary and everything but when you actually look at it they're not a good defense because of their defensive coordinator and how the plays are being called so they have the potential to be a really good defense, like one of these elite defenses, but they never seem to be that way. And it feels like every year we talk about it and we're like, that that Green Bay Packers defense is scary. And then you go, well, they're not really because of how that play calling's affected how that team comes about. So, And they've played, like this year, they've actually played well enough where we should have won more games than we have so far. Mm. Like, there's been moments in the games where the defense has failed, but overall they've played fairly well to put us in a position where we can win. And then it's just our young offense hasn't been able to make plays when we've needed to. And again, that's come down to play calling as well. So it's just well, such a young team. Things haven't like the expectations for the Packers, no matter what, are clearly that they're going to be a good team. And their our fan base is one of the fan bases that look, I'll say we've been spoiled for years. We've had Brett Favre, we've had Aaron Rodgers, two of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game. So we don't know what it's like to have, I guess, poor quarterback play. It's been and a while we, since you've had it. We're seeing it a bit this year. I love Jordan Love. I love what he can be as a player. I love his temperament and his mentality about it as well. We just need him to be more consistent play to play. And that's, I don't know if that's his game, to be honest. I think he's going to have those inconsistencies even when he has more experience. But he's limiting the big mistakes. Yeah. And his completion percentage this year hasn't been fantastic, but if anyone casts their minds back to the draft, one of the reasons why, and we've had plenty of discussions about this off, offline, like I have changed my tune a bit with Jordan Love this year. Like I flat out said that when he came out, I was not a big fan of him at all. Yep. Didn't think he was consistent enough. Like, yes, he might've had the big arm, but he sort of, it, this isn't meant to come off the way that it's going to sound to start with, but he had a bit of the Zach Wilson vibes in the sense of like, if you look at his highlight plays, you would think that guy is one of the best quarterbacks going around when he was in college. But it's just that there's so, so many plays between those two highlight plays. There's so many in the middle of the stuff that you don't like and you don't want to see that that's why I was not really sold on him too much. Yeah. I saw how he's playing in this preseason, how he started off the season. It did change my tune a bit, but there is still, like you said, some of those inconsistencies where you're like, you are, you like on the day so far, you're 13 for 27 for 165 yards. But if you had positioned that pass on the re receiver's out, like back shoulder as opposed to his front shoulder on five of those passes, you're now... 18 for 27 for 240 yards and three touchdowns. Like it's, it's one of those things where you're like, you're so close certain times and then you'll see the next play and it's like, wow, that was a fantastic throw. You did everything amazingly. And then you'll see some of these passes where you do leave yourself scratching your head going, 
what did you actually see there? Yeah. So I've looked at things and his stats in the first half compared to his stats in the second half are night and day. His stats in the second half are super good. And this comes back to play calling, which has pissed me off all season. They haven't come out and got him into a rhythm early on in the game. They haven't given him the layups early in the game to get him into that rhythm earlier. They've come out, they're bombing the ball long. His average depth of target on his passing, I think he's still one or two in the league. Mm. So they're not giving him that option of settling into the game the way I think they should be doing and getting him in the rhythm and feeling it earlier than what he has been. Like it shouldn't be taking to the second half where he's feeling good, starting to get the numbers up. It's been from the start, bombing long. He's had misses early on. They haven't got him into a quick rhythm. And a lot of it's play calling. A lot of it's, again, inconsistency with the offense and the young receivers running wrong routes as well. Well, it, and, To me, it seems like some of his best play is when it's in the two-minute offense and you can't think. You've just got to go. So yep. teams, teams never do this. But it almost feels like, because I feel like for Carolina too, like it's a similar thing. Bryce Young has looked so much better a lot of these games. Not all of them. Some of the games he's actually looked a lot better, like especially the last couple, he started to look a lot better. But he seemed to get his best sort of rhythm when it was two-minute drill, we're just going, don't think, hit the first guy you see open and go from there. So it almost feels like that maybe they should start the first drive. Just bring Jordan Love out and go, right, we're going no huddle. Here's your plays. Call them at the line. We've, we've scripted the first bunch of plays. Let's just see how you go and get into a rhythm. Do that the first or second, like do it the first two drives. And that might be all he needs to get that confidence and that rhythm to then go, okay, now that we're on the third drive, we're in, at the end of the first quarter, we're in the second quarter. Now dial up that long bomb play to Christian Watson or Dobbs or Jaden Reed. Yeah. And I think you look at Luke Musgrave and again, he has those mo those moments where he just flashes and you're like, oh, my God, this guy is it. Mm. And then the next play, it'll be the wrong route. He'll do just a small thing, not the way it should be done. And that chemistry is off between him and love. But you can see what's going to be there if they are patient enough with it. Mm. And the biggest thing, I think, for the Packers has been Aaron Jones hasn't been available. Yeah. And... I'm hoping, I'm thinking he's back this week. I think he'll be good to go. I don't think he'll have... Like he played the week before the bye or two weeks before the bye as well. But he only had a handful of plays. I don't think he was good to go then. Mm -hmm. I think they kind of rushed him back a little bit and they weren't comfortable giving him the workload. I think this week we should see a better workload for Aaron Jones and that changes our offense massively. Yeah, he so, he should he actually should be what they should do too is he should actually be used for the Packers the same way Alvin Kamara has been used for the Saints since he's come back for Derek Carr. Just dump the ball off to him as much as possible because that, sometimes that's maybe all that Jordan Love needs to get into a rhythm is to hit six seven passes in a row, even if it's just six dump offs to yeah. Aaron Jones and he's suddenly he's six for seven on his first seven passes and he's sixty yards. And again, it's just moving the ball down the field. Mm. It's not getting into third and longs, not getting into three and outs. 
just being able to move the ball down the field. Like you don't need to go 30 yards on a play. Just move the ball and keep the chains moving and just keep your offense out there for long enough. Yeah. So yeah. the Packers, oh, this game makes me so nervous because we can't afford to lose this game. And I don't, I didn't have playoff aspirations this year. I thought getting to the playoffs was going to be best case scenario. I didn't expect it to happen. Mm. I said we're about a seven-win team. If everything goes the right way for us, we can be a nine-win team. It hasn't gone the right way for us. Like We've made mistakes. We've had key players out injured that we couldn't afford to lose. So now for this season, for me as a fan, and it should be this way for everybody as a fan, it's to be able to evaluate what we have in our young guys moving forward and who we can build around for the next four, five, six years. Yeah. And it's making sure that we know what we have in Jordan Love because they won't move on from him after this season. He'll be the guy next year as well. Mm. So you're going to have this year and next year to see what you've got with him and how you can build around him to make sure he's the guy. And... Yeah, we just need to keep our core group of players on the field and to just build that chemistry for the rest of the season. Yeah. Well, after all of that, I I have gone the Packers over the Broncos in this game. Yeah, we can't lose this game. I can't. I just can't. <laughs> no. Well, so now we move on to this is, to me, this is going to be so far this season, the game of the year. It's Sunday night football. It's the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Miami Dolphins. It's the brotherly shove team versus the greatest show on surf. It's the most fun team in the NFL to watch this year, the Miami Dolphins. And I just think back, so Carolina Panthers played Miami last week. Panthers scored the first two touchdowns of the game. Miami then scored the next 35 consecutive points and mm-hmm. ended up winning, ended up winning by three touchdowns. And there was there was something that I think it was on Sunday or it might have been Monday after Monday night football. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Bell, one of my friends uh, for whom Jay Bell tolls on Twitter, put a stat up that said the Carolina Panthers scored 21 points in that game which was more than about 20 teams in the NFL and they lost by 21 point, like they lost by an insane amount. So that just shows like, you know, Jalen, uh, Jalen Waddle is a really good receiver is barely mentioned anymore in that team. Raheem Mostert has was 11 touchdowns. Devon H Devon HN who, yes, he's on injured reserve, but he's not playing. Like he had, he didn't play week one. Week two, he had two carries or something like that. And then when he got injured, he was second in rushing in the NFL because of what he did. Um, has been insane. (laughs) Tyreek Hill is like 106 yards away or something like that, or 160 yards away from being at 1,000 receiving yards on the season. Six, seven seven games in. He's trending for, he was like 2,300 yards. Yeah, smash the record for most yards in a season. He he said before the season he was going to crack two thousand yards, yeah. And the way he's going, he's going to do it by week twelve. 
Yeah. Like, it's just, not going to be one of those things where he's setting the record for the receivers and everyone goes, oh, well, he had the extra game to do it. That's not going to matter because he's going to do it well before then, mm. the way he's and, going. And to me, if if you were any coach, it, not like in not the season just gone, but the season before, at the end of the season, if you were any team who was looking for a head coach and you turned down... Mike McDaniel, a.k.a. the Denver Broncos, who said we did not even want to speak to him when he asked about having an interview because they wanted Nathaniel Hackett because they hoped they were getting Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But you've got to feel foolish now. Like, if I'm Miami, I'm just, I'm going, it feels like you go up to Mike McDaniel and you go, okay, you are actually coaching here until you retire. Like, you you get the lifetime contract because as anyone who listened to Jordan Rodriguez's uh, podcast, The Play Callers, Mike McDaniel was pretty much the architect behind the Kyle Shanahan run system. Like he helped build that run system, which we're seeing. And I think the most insane, insane thing is they had such a good year last year offensively. Tour obviously gets hurt. It ruins their season. But usually a lot of times the great offensive minds that's it. They've, they've shown everything they do and they can't come back the second year because everyone's picked up their playbook and they go, right, we know what the, we know the story. We know how to stop you now. Then he's then brought in this year the let's line Tyreek Hill up as an inline tight end blocker. And then like on one play and then the next play, we'll start him out wide and we'll have him sprinting full head of steam and then running like a short like drag route across the middle. And all of a sudden he's 15 yards free. And he's like, yeah. what, what he is able to do with that offense this year is just some of the most fun all 22 footage. If anyone has all 22, just please go and watch it because it is some of the most fun. Just watching it. it. It is honestly some of the most fun film you'll ever watch. Just watching what everyone does on every play and you go, my God, every team who didn't hire this man absolutely whiffed and completely missed out on what they could have done with him. Yeah. Yeah. How do you dislike Miami at the moment? Mm. Like They're led by... He's got to be one of the most likeable coaches in the entire league for a long time. And just you watch little snippets of it and just how he is with his players. They will do anything for him. Mm. And it shows on the field. And they're having so much fun and they're just putting up points at will. It's just one of those teams where you just want to watch as far as it can go. And the insane thing is, we just spoken about how insane their offense is. Their defense is incredible too. Like, you, you look at their defense, you got... Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb. Jalen Ramsey's coming back this week, I think. He's yeah. like, and, and oh, yeah, by the way, their defensive coordinator is Vic Fangio, one of the <laughs> best defensive minds going around. Like, it's just, this team is just so much fun to watch. And we spent all this time gushing about Miami. And yet, Philly, last year's nearly Super Bowl champions, have yeah. started this year five and one. And as you said, they haven't really hit their stride yet. So if they happen to hit their stride, like they're incredibly fun to watch too with what they can do. Yeah, and this is a massive game for them to make a statement as well. Mm. I, I genuinely don't know who to pick in this game. 
five, you just sit there and you go, okay, one minute I'm going to have Miami because mm. just the way they're playing at the moment on offense, they had that one little hiccup where they didn't play well this year, but every other game they've just been off the charts. And then the next minute you go, okay, how often do Philly use, lose two games in a row mm. while they've had this sort of team they've got at the moment? It just doesn't happen. I don't, I don't see Philly losing, but the way they've been playing this year, I'm not sure they can keep up with Miami in on the offense. No, I've got I've got Miami winning, but I do think one of the big keys to how this game will come down to is actually going to come down to Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. If those two massive human beings completely wreck that Miami offensive line, then Philly will win this game. Because part of the reason why Tool can be so successful at the moment is, yes, they're running a lot of run, uh, like RPOs, run pass options, but they he's being protected. Yeah. So he's got time for these routes to develop. He's got, the, like, the timing is spot on with all of these. If Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis are absolutely wreaking havoc on that front line and completely messing up all the timing, that's how Philly wins this game. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of those games where the Philly defence needs to be at their absolute best. Not only, but not only that, like their offence hasn't been fantastic this year. So they need their offence to really click back into gear. And we're seeing like so far this year, the Shane Steichen effect. Now that he's not calling the plays and he's designing it, we're seeing how that Philly offense has slightly regressed a little bit from what it was last year, what we knew. Now, is that just a little hiccup at the start of the season and now they're going to come out from now onwards and remind us of that Philly team from last year? It's very possible. But to me, it's it, my thinking was pretty similar. I've been going back and forth, but I think I have settled on Miami winning just based off of, I don't, I don't know how you stop that offense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. I think it's one of those rare moments where Philly lose two games in a row. Mm. I think Miami's firepower is going to be too much. Yeah. It could be like, it's going to be a 34-31 type game, I think. I want it to be one of those ones. Do you remember the uh, Rams-Chiefs game on a Monday night football oh, in Mexico City a few years ago? 51 or whatever it Yeah, was. if yeah. that's one of those games, I would just, it would be yeah. the best. Oh, sign me up for that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we now move, last game that we're going to cover here is Monday Night Football. It's Minnesota versus San Francisco 49ers. I have the 49ers winning. That's even if they come and they say Debo is out and Christian McCaffrey's out. I still think that the, the talent on that 49ers team is going to be too much for the Minnesota Vikings without Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Jefferson's a massive loss for them. And I just think San Francisco is an overall team. They're just far too good. I think McCaffrey looks like he's going to end up being a game-time decision. Mm. So losing him is obviously massive. They can cover the loss of Debo. I think Brandon Ayuk's a better wide receiver. Yeah. That is. So losing Debo, you lose a bit of that. But without Debo, I think they just use George Kittle more than what they do. Yeah. So you're not losing all that much overall. Yeah, if anything at all, like you get deep, uh, George Kittle more involved, that's always a good thing. Yeah, so and I think that you're not going to see a game from Brock Purdy like you saw last week all that often. I don't think in this system, 
I think he'll bounce back and show what he has shown so far this year. I just think, yeah, they're far too good overall for Minnesota. I think Minnesota will end up keeping it close, but I don't think they'll be good enough to get over the line. I just don't think they'll be able to combat that defence, that 49ers defence is is next level. And, I mean, we saw what Brock Purdy was able to do to the Dallas Cowboys, who had a really good defence. Like, he, they shredded them. Yes, granted, they had the full healthy players, whatever. But I just think that they they came unglued last week against the best defence that we've seen for about 40 years, 50 years. Yeah, and there's a lot of reasons behind, obviously, in-game why mm. things went bad, and that it came down to a missed field goal. Well, I was going to say, at the end of the day, too, we the, the 49ers, so Jake Moody misses that field goal. Everyone talks about maybe Brock Purdy is a system quarterback, which is something that I absolutely hate people saying because every quarterback in the NFL is a system quarterback. That's just how it works. But... Everyone talks like he is a terrible quarterback and see, we showed you he did that. But as I said, it was the best defense going around. If they, if Jake Moody kicks that field goal and the 49ers win, the, the narrative then becomes Brock Purdy. How gritty is he? He didn't, yeah. he, he, he struggled, but he still managed to get his team across the line because that's how good a competitor yeah. he is. So that's that's to me. I I just think San Francisco, but it's not only that, like the offense. Like yes, okay, that even if they have no McCaffrey, no Debo, that defense like Nick Bosa, like Randy Gregory's there, Javon Hargraves there, the best linebacking duo in the league in Dre Greenlaw and Fred yeah. Warner. It's just there's just too much on that San Francisco 49ers team. I just don't see even if Minnesota had Justin Jefferson playing. I still don't think they get too close to him. Like Jeff, Jefferson might have a day out and he could have could have had 180, 190 yards, but I still feel like they lose to that 49ers team just because there's just yeah. too many all pros on that team to to mess with. Yeah. Overall as a team, they're I think the best in the league. Mm. And they're not going to drop too many games. I don't see them losing two in a row. No, so that's that's our preview for week seven. Like we said, there's there's three or four games in there that you could really call the game of the year, but it's it is gonna be that Sunday night football game. Everyone tune into that. That could be just one of the most high scoring games of the season. We're saying that it could end up being a nine to six game because the defenses really take over and <laughs> it just ruins our expectations. But that would uh, be the worst thing imaginable, wouldn't it? It, it really would be. But I, I just I don't see it. I see it more being like an absolute shootout of a game than it would anything else. So uh, do you have anything you would like to leave our listeners or viewers with before we head out of here? I, just, I think this is going to be one of those weeks where there's so many games that can go either way. Even the games where we're not expecting too much, could be exciting just because we don't know who's going to win. Yeah. And it's I'm expecting a lot of close games this year. So when we're sitting there watching Red Zone and you talk about the witching hour, like every week it seems to be like, mm. like the witching hour is just going nuts every single week. This is going to be another one of those. You're just going to sit back and watch and go, holy hell, what's going on? Yeah. I can't wait for it. Yeah. 
No, that's that's it. So uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. As I mentioned before, on the Brad Bolt Show moving forward, you will have some, it won't be necessarily every week, but there will be some NBA talk. Uh, as I mentioned, Dan's going to have his sport report where he can give us an update on how the NHL is going. Uh, but yeah, NBA season starting this week as well. We've got some fantastic football games. There's sport galore on, and we are absolutely buzzing to see what can happen this year. So you can find me on Twitter at BradBolt1. You can find Dan at Beard underscore 82, and you can find the NFL Lab Network at NFL Lab Network as well. So for, for Dan, for myself, for everyone, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Welcome back to the lab. Back to the lab. Welcome back to the lab. Back to the lab.